passage this morning is Revelation chapter 18, and I'm reading from the CSB. The Fall of Babylon the Great. After this I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by his splendour. He called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen. Babylon the Great has fallen. She has become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which, begin, which brings wrath. The king of the heaven, sorry, the king of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Then I heard another voice from heaven, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, or receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works. In the cup in which she mixed, mix a double portion for her. As much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, Give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never see grief. For this reason her plagues will come in just one day, death and grief and famine. She will be burned up with fire, because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her, when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand, f- stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe the great city, Babylon the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, because no one buys their cargo any longer, cargo of gold, silver, jewels and pearls, fine linen, purple silk and scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood product, products, objects of ivory, objects of expensive wood, brass, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour and grain, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages and slaves, human lives. The fruit you craved has left you and your splendid and glamorous things are gone. They will never find them again. The merchants of all these things who became rich from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls, for in a single hour such fabulous wealth was destroyed. And every shipmaster, seafarer and the sailors, and all who do business by sea stood far off as they watched the smoke from her burning and kept crying out, Who was like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and kept crying out, weeping and mourning. Woe, woe, the great city where all those who have ships on the sea became rich from her wealth, for in a single hour she was destroyed. Rejoice over her, heaven, and you saints, apostles and prophets, because God God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. Then a mighty angel picked up a stone, like a large millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, In this way, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. 
the sound of harpists, musicians, flutists and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any train will ever, trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. And the voice of a groom and bride will never be heard in you again. All this will happen because of your merchants, because your merchants were the nobility of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. In her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all those slaughtered on the earth. So far the reading. Just as we were reading that together, uh, that if you come to this text naively, that is, without the context of the book of Revelation, uh, that's not going to make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> um, and so this morning, I'm going to try and just give you a little bit of, what, uh, of where this fits within the story of, of the Bible um, and then how that applies to us. But I think it's important for us to think about our society's beliefs and kind of the, the character of our people and, and, and how, um, how our world fits together. How do we know that what we believe as a society is right or correct? How do we know uh, that our world is, is right or wrong? I mean, <clears throat> if you look at what the world has been like over the last several centuries, we have advanced as a society globally, um, things are better now, perhaps, than they have ever been before. Uh, for example, the slavery is outlawed universally where once it was legal. Now, obviously, there are still people that are caught in slavery and so on, but as a world, we are better off for it. Modern medicine has drastically changed the life expectancy and the quality of life of people right around the world. Broadly speaking, uh, human rights have been enshrined into laws that are, in general, upheld by the, most of the nations. Now, of course, there is corruption. Of course, not all governments and police forces treat people rightly and so on. But in general, the world is kind of as good as it has ever been for the average person on earth. And this is particularly true of us who live in a wealthy Western nation. But then there have been a number of uh, recent changes to our laws in our country and in the Western nations in general over the last few decades. In Australia, the last uh, couple of years, we've seen the so-called redefinition of marriage. We've gone through a period of long and lengthy COVID lockdowns in which Melbourne was the strictest in the world. Uh, these are just to name a few things, but there's also things like the Black Lives Matter movement, the Me Too movement, the broader environmentalism movement, the Gay Pride movement, and uh, the Change the Day for Australia Day movement, and all of these sorts of things. And each and every time, uh, the, these changes, these pushes to change how we live as a society is presented as the right and loving thing to do. Every time one of these issues or items comes up for debate, uh, the phraseology, the, the, the way we are told to, to take on board these things goes something like this. It is now, insert whatever year it is, it's time to get on board. It's time to start doing the insert whatever the cause is thing now. Because if you don't, you're being oppressive, unloving, 
Look around you. Everyone else is on board. They're actively supporting, insert cause name here. And if you don't get on board, you are on the wrong side of history. In 20 years from now, you will look back to today and you will be ashamed because of the damage you caused to insert people, group, planet, whatever here. And you will be embarrassed because you're on the wrong side of history. And so with so many voices screaming for our attention, demanding that we change our lives and and get on board with what the rest of the world is doing, how are we supposed to navigate this world? How can we know what is right and wrong? What is, what is Scripture's view of all these things? Because the world will tell us that if you do these things, if you sign up to these causes, if you support them, you will be happy, you will be successful, you'll be on the right side of history, uh, and, and you'll be great. But how does God view the way the world is run? How does God view the way things work? If you read the book of Revelation, it gives us God's view of just how life works today. If you read from chapter 17 through to 21, there are, uh, the book of Revelation presents you with these two great cities. There's a city of Babylon... Uh, which represents the system of power and influence uh, that our world runs under. Where, power, uh, where if you have more power, that's good. If you have more wealth, that's good. If you have more excess, that's good. These, these are things that the world held, holds up as, as things that are worth pursuing, and that's kind of how our world works. And on the other hand, there's the city of Jerusalem, which is God's city, which is coming... Uh, this is the garden city that is coming at the end of all creation, and we'll be looking at that in a few weeks. But today we're dealing with Babylon, how the world works and functions. So how are we supposed to live in an era where we actually live still in Babylon in some ways? How are we supposed to think about how the world works? How can we live a happy and fulfilled life in the midst of the city of Babylon? Revelation 18 gives us the answer. And the first thing it tells us is that Babylon offers us absolute freedom as the path to happiness. If you want to be happy, if you want to live a fulfilled life, says Babylon, then you should pursue absolute freedom. Do what you want. What does Babylon offer people as the solution to all our problems? What, what does she give us as, as the way to make our lives better? Revelation 18 captures this. It's money, it's power, it's pleasure, it's luxury, it's fame. Babylon is a picture of all these things where these things are held up as the highest good. And these are the exact same things that our world we live in today tells us uh, we should pursue. If you have money, then you'll be happy. If you have power, then you'll be happy. If you have and can pursue pleasure or luxury or fame... You will be happy. If you have these things, you will have made it and your life is complete. Is that not the world we live in? Notice what our text says Babylon values. Uh, verse 3. For the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth, so they have power, have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. There's drunkenness. We can extend that probably to substance abuse, if you like. 
Babylon presents sexual expression which goes against God's design for sex in marriage. Sensuality, wealth and power and excess, having more than what you need. These are the things the world says. If you have them, if you can pursue them, if you can just express these things, you will be happy. That's what freedom looks like. That's what success looks like. Go on, says Babylon, pursue these things. Because the more free you are to do these kinds of things, pursue these kinds of things, the happier, better and more loving you will be. And actually look around you. Everyone else is pursuing these things. So it must be right. Everyone wants the same stuff. So it must be worth having. And if you think differently, Babylon says, then you're on the wrong side of history. If you think differently, it's because you are foolish, the world will tell us. And you don't really know what life is about. Because as soon as you get these things, you will be happy. You'll see. Try it, you'll see. And so we do. We pursue our careers because ultimately we believe that that promotion, which will give me more money, will make me satisfied and happy. It will give me power, and so I'll feel like I have worth. We seek satisfaction in relationship because if I could just get that guy, then he will love me and then I'll be happy. We do it with our children too. We think as long as our kids love us, then we will be happy and we will be satisfied, while all the way, one day, your child will turn to you and tell you that they hate you and your world will come crumbling down because it has been built on a Babylon fantasy. We seek our satisfaction in pleasure, whether that's the pleasure of entertainment or drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever brings you pleasure, ultimately that thing will fade and you're back to your empty life. Or we seek our satisfaction, security in money because if I have enough, then I will be safe and secure. If only I earned a bit more, then I would be satisfied. But it's never enough, no matter how much money you make. Because when the promotion comes or you get some great inheritance, all that extra cash is ultimately meaningless and it leaves you just as dissatisfied as before. And then we get disappointed and disillusioned and we wonder why this is. Friends, it's because we've been living the Babylon fantasy. We have been seduced by chasing things that the Babylon system has been telling us. This is what your heart really wants. But the reality is that Babylon is not God's city. Babylon represents a broken reality, a world that doesn't work the way it is supposed to. Ever since sin came into the world, ever since the Garden of Eden, and this whole journey we've been traveling is that none of these worldly things work. They don't satisfy us. The world is ultimately disappointing. And the greatest pleasure the world can ever offer us will in the end disappoint us and leave us more empty than before. And so pursuing happiness in this world by buying into the Babylon dream is foolish. 
listening to the world and following it, its example as the source of meaning in life is foolish. It will not satisfy you. It will leave you empty. Doing things the Babylon way will not make you happy. That's the first thing we need to understand. And the second, I think, flows on from that. The reason it doesn't leave you happy is because Babylon's way of doing things will come to an end one day. I read here from verse 9. Now the kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared in her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far off in fear and torment saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the mighty city. In a single hour her judgment has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any longer. All the things they sell, no one wants that anymore. So the merchants say, Woe, woe, the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels. In a single hour, such fabulous wealth has been destroyed. And every shipmaster, seafarer, the sailors, all who do business by sea, stood far off as they watched the smoke from her burning and kept on crying, Who was like the great city? And so they threw dust on their heads, and they kept crying, weeping and mourning, Woe, woe, the great city! Where are all those who have ships on the sea uh, become rich from her with wealth? For in a single hour she was destroyed. Look at what happens to what the world has to offer for us as the way to be happy. Babylon with all her riches and her glamour and her fame and her beauty and her pleasure and her power and everything she has going for her is wiped out in a single hour, by God's judgment. And all of a sudden, everyone who had built their lives on Babylon don't know what to do. They stand there weeping and wailing. They sing this dirge, this funeral song, over the death of the kind of the system that the world is under. And they mourn because all the things that they love have been taken away, snatched away. The kings cry because they no longer have uh, the pleasures that that they used to have. The merchants are upset because their money-making opportunities are gone and all the things they used to have worth, pearls and jewels and incense and, and riches of all kinds of things, all these things are suddenly worthless. The sailors, the sea captains, they cry because their source of power and might is gone. And the very things that these people valued were destroyed and taken away and it so shakes their world that it feels as if their world has ended. And notice who it is who who, who are crying and weeping and mourning here. It's all the people who have become wealthy and have bought into the world's system. It's the merchants who bought and sold and got rich off the things that Babylon offered. The kings who enjoyed their visceral pleasures of the prostitute Babylon. The captains who got wealth and power from her. And their mourning and pain is bitter and deep and they throw dust on their heads and they cry out weeping and mourning. This is the experience which waits for all of us who build our lives on what the world offers. 
This is what your experience will be if you found your life on what Babylon offers. And our text emphasizes just how complete and utter their sorrow is, how distraught these people are. They keep on mourning. They keep on crying out. They keep on weeping. And maybe in some ways you've already experienced this in your life. Where the very thing that you've built your life on has been taken away, ripped out from underneath you, and it feels as if your world has collapsed. Perhaps it is the job that you thought was going so well and the boss calls you in to sit down in the office, uh, sit down in the chair and you're expecting to get the promotion that you've been working for so hard and all of a sudden he actually says, well, our company is closing and you've lost your job. Your world falls apart. Maybe it's the relationship that you've spent years investing in building maybe it's your husband or wife maybe it's a a partner you've been pursuing and all of a sudden it becomes clear that that person is not the person you dreamed they would be or they betray you or they let you down it feels as if your world is falling apart maybe it's the the money, the life savings you've invested in some risky business venture because this was the one. This was the one that would finally make me rich and get me out of debt. Set me up for life. And then all of a sudden you wake up one morning to find someone has run away with your money and your world falls apart. You see, friends, whatever we base our lives on, no matter how successful those things might be, in the end... They will be snatched as in a heartbeat. In a single hour, Babylon is destroyed. Everything that these kings and these merchants and these seed captains built their lives on was snatched in a single hour. And the thing with Babylon is that the way in which she ensnares us is that she tells us to build our identity on these things, whatever they may be. As a merchant, you make your money buying and selling what Babylon wants you to buy and sell. As a ship captain, you are defined by your constant trips to the city of pleasures. As a king, you can't survive unless you do business with Babylon. And slowly you get enticed by her pleasures. Babylon has seduced these people by redefining who they are. Come, she cries, come build your life around me and I will fulfill you. But that's how Babylon ensnares us still today. She claims one aspect of our identity and says, you must express this to its fullest extent for you to be free. And so she seduces you. She says to us, you are a a scientist, a rationalist, that's who you are. You must only ever believe in what is rational and provable and experimentable and and hypothesizable that you can disprove. And unless God can be proved in that kind of way, you should not believe in him. And slowly, what starts out as someone with questions becomes someone who turns agnostic who becomes someone who is atheistic, who becomes someone with militant anti 
Christian belief. Or Babylon says to us, you are a business person, that's who you are. You must make money no matter the cost. If you are to succeed in this world, you must do dodgy deals. Everyone else is doing it, and if you don't do it, you won't survive, you won't be competitive. And what starts out with swapping quality materials for inferior ones becomes the next step in doing a dodgy deal which ultimately compromises your character and leaves your morality behind. Or, probably most commonly today, Babylon says to us, you are your sexual preferences. That's who you are. You have to express your sexuality no matter the cost. You must give up your family, your church, the Bible, Jesus himself, if any of them tells you you cannot express yourself the way you want to. And so you are seduced. Babylon redefines us for who we are and tells us that unless we do that thing to the fullest, we will never be satisfied with our lives. But do you see how foolish it is in God's eyes? Because Babylon will be destroyed. Doing things Babylon's way won't actually work in the long run. Everything that you build your life on, if that thing is not Christ, will pass away. It will be burnt up and it will be destroyed. Will you be on the right side of history then? If you want to live a happy and fulfilled life, doing things the world way uh, the world's way, Babylon's way, will not ultimately work because Babylon will be destroyed. And so what is the answer? I'd like to suggest that the answer is to get on the right side of history, actually. Because look what happens in the end. Verse 21. Then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, In this way, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. The sound of harpists, musicians, flauters, trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. And the voice of a groom and a bride will never be heard in you again. And all this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth, because the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all those slaughtered on the earth. What we must recognize here is that Babylon will kill and murder God's people. The blood of the prophets and the saints were found in this city. And yet they were still on the right side of history. Because you see what happens here is that this last part of the text says, if you build your life on Christ, ultimately you will be on the right side of history. Everyone who buys into Babylon will be destroyed. And Babylon won't just, be, won't just fall, it will be utterly and completely wiped out. The town where only wickedness and evil dwell is completely destroyed, so much so that nothing can ever grow in that city again. The system by which the world was governed will be so completely destroyed that there is no chance of it ever coming back. These verses tell us that there will be no music, no craft, no food production, no lamplight, no wedding celebrations, nothing. Everything is gone. 
the text emphasizes that there's never going to be any more joy, no music, no celebration, no chance of the city being restored because the craftsmen and the tradespeople are gone. There's no chance that the city will ever sustain life because no food can come into it or be produced in her. No chance of security ever being found in it again. There's no light even. There will be no weddings, no children, no nothing because Babylon's destruction is ensured in every possible way. And in a chapter or two, as I mentioned, the book of Revelation offers the alternative, which is the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, the garden city we have been traveling to. And in a sense, everything has been leading up to this point. The garden city is about to be uh, to appear, but before that can happen, the world system has to be judged. God has been driving everything from Genesis chapter 3 to Jerusalem, where God finally comes to live with his people. But to do that, the government systems and the system which governs the world, I should say, it will be finally destroyed. And with it, the fake shininess of Babylon will be replaced by the ever more impressive Jerusalem. And so we're going to get there, we're going to talk about that in a week or two's time. But we are confronted, given this reality, with a choice. Which city will you love? The future of Babylon is assured, its destruction is inevitable. And we must come to grips with this question. It is uncomfortable, but which city will you love and which city will you live for? Which foundation will you build your life on? You have a choice. You can keep chasing the Babylon dream and the world will reward you for it. And if you give up your faith, the world will say, good, well done, and your blood will be added to the pile that's in the city. You can keep just hunting for your happiness in the absolute expression of your freedom, as Babylon says you must. You can keep chasing you know, drunkenness and substance abuse or sexual expression or wealth or power or excess. You can build your life on these things and the world will tell you that you have succeeded. But you will ultimately be disappointed. Because even if you succeed and even if you get everything Babylon offers you, as unlikely as that is, but even if you do, in the end... That will all be destroyed and everything that you thought had value will be shown to be worthless and everything you pursued in this life will be shown to be utterly without value but you can do that or you can build your life on the solid foundation of Christ Recognize that beyond Babylon lies Jerusalem. Recognize that this offer of absolute freedom is a lie. Recognize that the Babylonians' way of doing things will ultimately judge, uh, be judged and destroyed and, uh, and, and build your life on Christ so that in the end you will be on the right side of history. Reject what the world has offered you Reject the fake freedom offered by Babylon and accept the true freedom from your sins are found only in trusting in Jesus Christ.
That's the choice that is set before us this morning. And as we've traveled through the Bible, we have seen that the people of God have been offered this choice time and time again. Moses sets before Israel just before they enter the promised land. I said before you this day, choose between life and death. It's the same choice that is offered to us today. And in a moment we're going to sing about the choice the Christian makes. And we will say that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And in verse 3 it says this, And he, when he comes with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, not in Babylon, but in Christ, dressed in his righteousness alone, so that faultless we can stand before the throne. And on Christ the solid rock I stand, because all other ground is sinking sand. It was my prayer that that will be your choice. Let's pray. Lord, we look at this world and we see it as this patchwork of, of light and dark. But there are places where you have broken in and your kingdom is expanding and good things are happening. And we praise you for that, Lord. But we recognize that that is just one aspect of a greater and more fuller rest restoration that will come one day when you destroy Babylon, when the system the world is governed under will go, where the wealth and the riches and the power that this world offers us will finally be judged and found wanting, and that those that are, that are found in you will join you to take up residence forever in the city of life, in the city of Jerusalem. And we pray, Lord, that in that day, we might be found in you. Help us to turn from the fake uh, gift that Babylon offers us and to trust in the true life we find in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.